1: Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth and Associates. Each week we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insight. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at mikeroth@rothconsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth.
0: Thanks, Scott. This is uh, Mike Roth, and I'm here today with our surprise guest, Rich Apuzzo, the weather guy.
1: Hey, Mike.
0: Thanks for joining us today, Rich.
2: Pleasure to be
0: here. Good. Before I finish introducing Rich, I'll uh, remind folks about what's going to be on next week. Next week we're going to have... uh, Major Wade uh, Barrett, and she's going to talk about the appropriate business etiquette in today's marketplace. Uh, then we're going to have uh, John Carroll, who is uh, running an employment agency. He's going to be talking about how to find good employees. following week, we're going to have Ruth Ellerbush, who's going to talk about eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, retraining our brains so that we get maximum performance in sales, lift. Blaylock is going to be talking about, on the 20th of July, QuickBooks and uh, computerized accounting. On the 26th of July, Jody schmidt Gossling, the CEO, possible worldwide, will be the guest. Then we'll have uh, Ken Saunders from Search Engine Experts. Then Rick Schleifer, uh who's coming to us from Annapolis, is, is going to be talking about how to sell to the federal government. He's made his living as a great salesperson and now a consultant selling to the government. On the 3rd of August, we're going to have the new president of uh, Rotary, Don Keller, and uh, Jane Burkett, and we're going to be talking about the downtown Cincinnati Rotary Club. August 9th is scheduled to be John Westheimer, real estate developer here for uh, commercial manufacturing buildings. In the Sandler training calendar, next next week on the, is a Thursday, the 12th is Thursday, uh, we're going to have the Sandler Management Program, maximizing uh, your sales resources. If you'd like a, a free pass to that, that program, call the office at 753-9400, extension 106, and ask Carmen to get you a free pass and make a reservation for for that program. We have a few seats that are available. Okay, now let's tell you a little bit about uh, Rich Puzo and his uh, company, Sky Eye Weather. Rich uh, likes to call himself Chief Meteorologist and Chief Operating Officer at Sky Eye Weather, LLC. It's a national weather consulting and education and marketing company based in Cincinnati. Sky Eye Weather was founded in 2003 to serve clients who were frustrated by the lack of accurate weather forecasting information on TV or online, and we were tired of losing money in their business because of unexpectedly bad weather. Rich is here today because the weather is exceptionally good.
2: <laughs>
0: Prior to uh, devoting his full-time talents to sky weather, Rich uh, worked on Fox 19 here in Cincinnati, WXIX-TV in Cincinnati, where he was the chief me- meteorologist for the 10 p.m. news for 13 years from uh, 1993 to 2006. Rich has been in the broadcasting world since 1986 and still provides weather to three local radio stations in Cincinnati, FM 95.5, Country uh, 103 FM, serving the eastern tri-state, and uh, Talk Radio 1450 in Butler County, Mm -hmm. and Classic X Radio in Cincinnati. That's four stations, Rich.
2: Yeah, the one is actually, you're right, it's three different companies. You're right, I didn't count right. There's actually about four or five stations in there together. Okay. Yeah,
0: what do get there. You, you also do something called the Weather Rush. That's a syndicated nationally show.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and you can, you can hear more weather on his Sky Eye Weather homepage. He'll tell you what that is in a minute. As Chief Operating Officer, Rich currently is a consulting meteorologist for clients such as Fifth Third Bank, FIOX Services, Great American Insurance, Coney Island Park, Hamilton County Department of Environmental Services. Rich and uh, Sky Weather have provided forecasts for snow plowing operations for the Cincinnati, uh, city of Cincinnati, surrounding townships, as well as de-icing operation forecasts for Delta, Com Air, and DHL Express at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky uh, Airport. He's consultant for the Cincinnati Reds grounds crew when storms threaten and how they have to protect the field from baseball. Rich also produces and presents the Wild World of Weather school tour to school children of all ages, so they can follow Rich on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, Rich's expertise includes short and long-range forecasts for severe storm forecasting and weather safety. So, Rich, let's talk for a moment about what happened last week when you were scheduled to be here. How about that? You know, it, it was interesting. I got this email from you after our first class at 1030 saying you weren't going to be able to make it. I looked outside and said, the weather's beautiful.
2: What's this guy thinking? You know, and I will tell you, uh, our listeners, uh, something about Mike, because you may not pick it up over the radio. First of all, his classes are phenomenal. He's got a great sense of humor, but also he's one of these people that very much appreciates you being on time keeping your appointments he doesn't want you to cancel so you know and you'll hear this in his commercial breaks and everything saying hey look if you're not going to show don't even call and I respect that so for me it was tough to type up that email saying, you know, we planned this weeks ahead of time, I'm coming out to do the show and now the day of it looks like there's going to be a major severe weather outbreak and I've got to let them know through email, I'll even call the cell phone because I'm not going to get accused of not trying to reach out at every possible so I called, and left a message and uh, sure enough Mike, we, as you know, we ended up having that major, what we call Doratio, that thunderstorm complex.
0: What did you call it? We
2: called it Doratio. It's spelled D E R E C H O. If you look it up, there's a Wikipedia article and everything else. But Doratio is a long lived wind damage producing thunderstorm event. I mean, it's one of these things that thunderstorms keep feeding on themselves. They last for hours and hours, move over hundreds of miles. And in this case, this thing formed in, over northern Illinois almost right along the Mississippi River. It ended up in the Atlantic Ocean off of Jersey, the Jersey coast and off the Virginia coast. So it traveled 800 miles or more in a matter of 12 hours. And just as we all know, this was the headlines, you know, knocked out power to millions, killed at least 26 people. Uh, it's the, the damages, the estimates of that have got to be in the billions. And of course, even as of this date that we're doing this show, there are still thousands without power between here and the East Coast because of these storms. So it wasn't just... I'm concerned about a thunderstorm popping. When I left that note for you, we were seeing stuff developing. That was an event you see maybe once a decade.
0: Yeah, we we were really surprised by it, you know. And uh, we brought, and Mike Ruhlman was good enough to come in and and, and do a fast sub for you. Yeah. We sat down here in the studio about three thirty, and we looked out. You know, I said, "Wow, well, weather's getting a little a little funny." Yeah. Four o'clock to five o'clock. You know we. We didn't pay any attention. By 5 o'clock, it was coming down like cats and dogs. Oh,
2: yeah. You know what? One of my newest clients, not on the list there, is uh, Kings Island Park. I do weather for them. And it was interesting because now they were telling me, and it's nice that they put pressure on you by letting you know how many people you're responsible for, in their park on any given day, they might have about 40,000 visitors. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that. Well, okay, so we knew this going into the summer what we were going to expect. In an event like this, it's a Friday night. Pack, the park is packed. They've also got some special concerts that are going to be going on all night long. So there are performers on stage all night. Well, anybody paying attention to weather headlines over the last year knows there was a stage collapse at the Indiana State Fair because people didn't clear out. They didn't know this big wind was coming, blew the stage down, killed some people. And I, that's, I never, not the,
0: that's not the only stage
2: that's no, fallen down. Right. No, there's been a number of them. That was the biggest one in the last year, but you're right. There's been a few of them. Uh, in fact, one over in, in England, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So I thought... This isn't going to happen under my watch. I'm going to let these guys know. So when I saw this gust front, this outflow coming in, I called them and I said, here's what's going on. They said, we got these concerts. These guys really want to go on stage. I said, look, you can do that, but this wind is going to hit and it's going to be strong. And I don't think you're going to want people packed around a stage with 50, 60 mile an hour winds blowing stuff down. And they're like, okay, okay. So then they call me back and this was maybe an hour before it hit. They call me back a half hour before it's going to hit. Rich, they're still not convinced, and, uh, you know, we see the stuff on radar. Is it really coming this way? Yes, it's coming. Trust me, it's going to hit. All right, and so they put them up. Literally, Mike, at the time the the gust front was just about to hit, they called me one more time. Uh, The guys were just bugging me. Are we sure it's on track? I said, Doug, you look out your window. I think it should be hitting now, radar. He goes, oh, my gosh, there it is. Boom, hangs up, and it just blew stuff all over the park. They had luckily prior to that, because they have umbrellas all over the park, expensive umbrellas, big ones, Mm -hmm. they closed them all up. They already knew from my warnings to at least do that. But sure enough, I got a nice thank you note from them afterward because if they had had all these fans out there, and performers, there would have been a lot of damage, maybe injuries, you can't take a chance like that. Mm-hmm. So that was quite an event. Coney Island, same thing. I called them to let them know because, you know, you've got thousands of people. Where do you put them? So it's up to them, but at least you got them out of harm's way as best you could by letting them know. And they got nasty. That, wind, that was nasty wind.
0: Yeah. It was interesting because we, talked, we had a client in today who was down at uh, Sparta
2: mm-hmm.
0: when the storm hit, and he said, They didn't have rain or heavy wind, so it it didn't go 60 miles south.
2: It just came right through here. It's interesting that you mention that. You mean at the racetrack? Yeah. It's funny because I got a picture from a guy from the racetrack who showed me some of the wind damage there. So he must, the guy you saw, must not have seen because he actually showed a beam that hit a car, and it was posted on my Facebook page. So there was, you know, it's it's amazing this damage. But, yes, the fact that it went all the way to the East Coast and knocked down power, and it's just, um, you know, it's it's a lesson about how nature can be and so violently changing, and that's one of the reasons I do the business I do because uh, you can't count on your TV weather guy to be following you around giving you updates when you really need to know this when you're a big business.
0: Sure, when you you've got to know hours and hours in advance. Yes. to make changes. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely.
2: a it's, staffing it's, changes. And when you're talking about big parks like that, I mean that's a lot of people you're responsible for. I don't know how they do it, deal with liability and whatnot, because quite honestly, you can't ask everybody to leave a park. So it must be just you're entering at your own risk, but the fact is the park will shut down rides. They'll make sure that anything on their part, they they can be as safe as... They'll get people out of the water park when there's any lightning threat within 15 miles of the park. So they take all the proper actions, and uh, it's certainly appreciated, but, boy, they definitely need a weather service to help them with that.
0: Yeah, it's a dangerous situation. I it think is. about being, the kids being in the water uh, yeah. <laughs> during a lightning storm.
2: Absolutely. And I one time, and this park is closed, but some people listening in the Cincinnati area will remember the Beachwater Park. It just closed in the last couple of years. I was there one time when a thunderstorm was moving in. And, of course, you know, here you've got a meteorologist in the park when a thunderstorm is moving in. my first question to the staff was, don't you guys do something? There's lightning around there. They're like, no, we really don't. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I, maybe it's because by warning people you also take on the responsibility of someone who's hit or something. I don't know. All I know is they didn't clear anybody out of the water. I got my family out, and I said, we are not going to be swimming in the water when you got lightning nearby with this thunderstorm. Uh, so, you know, each place is different, but, yeah, you've got to. you got to get to safety in these things. You can't mess around with that.
0: Well, Rich has agreed to uh, to take some some telephone calls if we have time, if anyone calls in. Let me give you the number. Uh, today's call-in number is six. 6- four six five nine five four nine one six so if you want to ask Richard a question call in again at six four six five nine five four nine one six let's uh let's take a short commercial break here and we can uh, talk to anyone who wants to call in and uh, we'll be back uh, in about a minute this is Mike Roth Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money! Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-646-6523. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-646-6523. Company Owners and Sales Managers. Are you sick and tired of hiring a salesperson you think is Tom Cruise only to get Pee Wee Herman on the first day of the job? Call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, to stop this from happening to you again. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Rich Puzo. Uh, Rich, if someone wants to contact you after the show, why don't you tell them how to do that?
2: Absolutely. There are a variety of ways, and since we are, uh, you know, in such a digital age, my two favorite ways are email, or uh, you certainly can check out our website, uh, but my email is rich at com, S-K-Y-E-Y-E, skyiweather.com, rich at com or you can just go to com. We've got an info link there. You can contact that. That'll come through me as well, or you can always call the office, area code 513. That's the Cincinnati area code 234, I'm sorry, 232, I forgot my own number, Mike, 232-7246, it's 232, and I believe 7246 spells rain, but 232-7246, so there you go, I'd love to hear from you if you've got, uh, and this is not about weather questions, if you're calling to get a forecast, (laughs) I got a different number for you for that, but yes, if you are interested in what a weather consulting service is about, and how it can help you and your business. Uh, trust me there's a lot of frustration in business with bad weather. We're here to help you sleep a little better at night. That's what we'll do at Sky Weather. And I'd love look forward to talking to you. Mike.
0: Good. Uh Rich in in the marketplace if people uh are in a business that they don't believe is weather dependent but it really is. How do you reach out and touch them? How do you go to market? How do they find you?
2: Well, one of the ways, there's a variety of, I think what happens, quite honestly, when it comes to reaching out to businesses that aren't aware of you is traditional sales methods. You've got to do some knocking on doors, literally, or calling and saying, hey, look, you run a concrete business. You run a... Of, of, even of restaurants are affected by weather. I mean, they know it, and yet they never think there's anything they can do about it. But uh, everybody from, in my case, I can speak for insurance companies to banking industry to whatever it is, you would, and especially with banking, how could banks use weather? I'll tell you about that in a moment. The point is there are people who realize that they use it but never thought there was anything else that they could do aside from watch their guy on TV, check their weather forecast, and so yeah, that's all they do. This is all they need. They never really considered the next step, which is having a personal forecaster because they didn't realize such a thing existed.
0: How could a cement company or an asphalt company, which is an outdoor construction company, uh, which is highly, both types are highly dependent Mm -hmm. on weather, uh, benefit by having a a personal business weather forecaster?
2: I just heard from a a colleague who's in the concrete industry, and he was telling me about how this heat was causing so much trouble for their industry and I said, "Well, really why?" I said, "Well, because with concrete, you cannot be really pouring it in the middle of the heat of the day or if you do, you have to mix a lot of water into it. It will dry more quickly, it won't settle as well, just knowing temperatures forecast throughout a day will help people in the concrete, the cement industry to better know when to pour for a better pour because you're going to get that to set better if it's in the cooler time of the day, usually between 60 and 80 degrees is your better time to put down concrete. Once you're starting to get up to 100, you're really pushing whether or not that's going to be stable or if six months later, you're going to come back and find all kinds of pock marks and cracks and you going to have to re it. So people in that kind of industry, the asphalt industry, in fact, uh, one of my clients, a a local paver uh, who actually does work on on highways around the state of Ohio, they are very sensitive because the state requires that if there's any rain in, in the forecast, they can't go out and put asphalt down. Now, they for private clients, can, but the state says, no, these are our rules. Well, these guys, when you mix up asphalt and I didn't know this until I started working with them, it's not something you can store if you don't use it. Once you create it, it has to be used or it will simply go bad. It it, it hardens up. It's not like concrete where you can keep mixing it. So if these guys make a batch and suddenly it rains and they can't put it down, they've lost all that money. Likewise, if they think it's going to rain and they don't make the batch up and suddenly it's a beautiful day for putting down asphalt, now they've lost that time. So the value there is knowing when these storms might hit, if there's going to be rain, and they saying, okay, because now we're committing multiple thousands of dollars to a batch of asphalt, to guys that we got to pay if they come in, they get paid a minimum of two hours, even if they're sitting in the rain, whatever it might be, the fact is there's a lot of money either saved or lost depending on that forecast. So absolutely, that's just one small example, but that's a good one.
0: Yeah, it it, it does kind of irritate me, too, when I go, go by a, a road construction project, the barrels are up, the weather is perfect, and the guys aren't working. Anybody. That's right. You don't see anybody. Because I got the wrong forecast in the morning and said, "Well, it might rain," yep. and so they they called off work for the day.
2: I had a roofing contractor do the same thing. Same deal. They would have their crews, and with roofing, if you're ripping off someone's roof on a house. You don't want it to rain while they're up there because now you've got water getting in you've got potential liability or any kind of thing because people are going to say hey you ruined my furniture now you got to replace it they'll cover it as best they can but a roofing contractor same thing if they know that they have a good day for roofing they're going to get their guys out but if they know there's a good threat for rain they'll put it off just to make their customers happy and say "Hey, look we don't want to get water in your house it's amazing how weather can affect these people but when you think about it, if the listener, you think about this at home, really, when do you watch your guy on TV or go on the Internet and you know hour by hour what the weather's going to be with reliability? And when do you ever have someone calling you to say, hey, here's the forecast, here's what's going on? That's what a private service does. That's what your TV guy can't do. He's there to cover a broad area in a TV market, and that's what they do. They do it fine. But when it comes down to what a client needs, they need the personal attention. I'm doing concrete. I don't care if it's partly sunny. I just need to know when it's going to rain. Right.
0: If you're doing concrete and you're doing it in Mason, you know you need to know the weather in yep, Mason, that's right, not man. in Florence. Absolutely. Big difference.
2: Huge difference because it could be storms. We had this the last couple of days here in Cincinnati. Big storms one part of town. The other part of town is sunny. These guys need to know that stuff. They're not going to get it listening to the radio. So uh, that's what Sky Weather does, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you see as the opportunities for a private weather forecasting company like yourself?
2: Well, I think the opportunities are huge. You know, it's funny because there are a number of other people in this business around the country. They, they, There's consultants. There's not another one in Cincinnati, but there are others around the country. And I look at them and say, okay, it's nice to there. I don't consider them competition. Now, there may be a point where we're going for some big contract, and, and I find out they're out there. In Other than that, you know, maybe if it's a government contract or something, other than that, there's so much work available in your local market, and I'm talking to other meteorologists who are colleagues of mine who were at one time in TV as well, and are saying, gosh, I want to do something, and TV is just not working out, because TV's a crazy industry, and that's a whole other show right there. But quite honestly, when you're looking to do this, if you've got that skill in your own marketplace, between people who work out in construction, between people who are uh, running even nurseries and farms, agriculture's a big one, aviation's a big one, All these industries affected by weather, market forecasts. I mean, corn, soybeans, wheat have all gone significantly higher because of the drought developing. One of my clients is an insurance company, and they are in the ag industry, and they have to worry about crop insurance. And if they know crops are going to fail, they know they're going to have to be paying out through the government on crop insurance. Point being, knowing what's coming helps them prepare, and that's why I think there's almost unlimited work for people getting into this.
0: Good. So you think the marketplace is... uh full of opportunities
2: it's you know what i think in just about any business if you have the right attitude the market is full of opportunities
0: so is your business primarily based in the cincinnati region or do you have clients all over the country we have
2: clients our primary clientele as far as their offices are located here the people they serve uh go from canada to florida so i'm literally doing agricultural weather across the u.s and when it comes to say fifth third bank you listed them before. they're in 12 states covering from Michigan down to Florida, so we watch everything from hurricanes to winter snowstorms. All that stuff affects the banking business.
0: Well, you know, I can understand why you want to clear people out of an amusement park or a concert venue. Banks generally are inside operations. Yes. So why would a bank like Fifth Third exactly need to understand
2: weather? Two good examples. One, they have a huge budget, and I won't specify it. Obviously, it's a private thing, but it's in the millions of dollars just for snow removal each year. If they have a pretty good idea of what the winter is going to be like, and we can base this on what we call analogs, looking at the past, looking at trends and saying this should favor an X kind of winter coming up, they will then be able to better budget what they need to put down. So if it's going to be 20 million, 10 million, these are random numbers I'm throwing out, but they, in fact, I just had a meeting the day of this recording we're doing this, this live show. I had a meeting with the folks at VOX who served Fifth Third. The whole point of saying, here's my thoughts on the winter ahead. In July, we're looking at the winter ahead because he will now say, all right, this is going to be our baseline. We're going to look back at past years that were like this one you're predicting, know what the costs may be, and now they can better budget. That's a huge thing for them because if they can keep it within a certain range, that helps them at the end of the year when they're going to fifth third, their client's saying, here's what we spent. This worked out well, and so that's a nice deal. But in the shorter term, for example, that ratio that came through knocked down power to a lot of their banks. And actually, even caused some trouble to one of their their big branches here in the Cincinnati area. Well, when you've got people without power, you have to, and this is by law, banks can't be without, can't be closed more than three days. So it could be a hurricane, it could be anything. Three days is their maximum. After that, you have to provide either a remote vehicle, power to the bank, something, but you have to allow people access to get their money. So even when there's a power outage, they've got to be ready to ramp up. And all the banks don't have generators behind them. There's just to be too costly for that once a year it might happen. So they have to then ramp up, get generators out, see if there's damage at their branches. And by knowing ahead of time this is coming, now they start getting their wheels into motion as to where they're going to have to focus their efforts on getting the banks up and running if power goes out.
0: So so really in the last uh, week when we had uh, large chunks of um, West Virginia, not too far away, Yep. We have clients in West Virginia okay. uh, who, who reported to me that they didn't have power at home.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So after the third day, the bank had to come up with a power yeah, generator system. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. they By law, by federal law, and even if a hurricane hits and destroys it, then they actually will have these vehicles almost like a remote semi-truck that you can walk up to and get to an ATM or what. They have to provide that service. After three days of being closed, you have to have some way of providing that. Absolutely. So, even if all the customers around them are out of power for a week, which many of them were, that bank will be open.
0: Or still are. Exactly. You know, we had a power this uh failure. a couple of hours ago here in this building. You know,
2: the heat does it. People don't realize it's not just the severe thunderstorms. Extreme heat will lead to power, you know, drawdowns because so many people are powering up air conditioners and everything else. It's now taxing the uh, the power supply a little bit and you'll get sometimes rolling brownouts or these quick power hits, which as I, you know, I look at your the amazing studio here. You should see it's like a palace here, ladies and gentlemen, but it's huge. So anyway, you need to have the, the backups to provide you so you're not losing power equipment. Computers can go down. Things can be damaged by power hits, and I have a studio as well at Sky High Weather, so that's critical. We can't lose power and keep our businesses going, so you've you got to have a backup plan. That's part of what we do for our, our clients.
0: Yeah, we, we we had a problem uh, on one of the first shows with a uh, un, a unintended power failure on one of the main computers that are used to broadcast the show.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, the power cable fell out of it the computer went beep it had battery backup in it beep 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 i hadn't heard it in probably five years oh my so i said to the guest ignore it
1: <laughs> less than 30
0: minutes later we were off the air and yeah, we had yeah. and we had to uh, finish the recording into the uh, digital recorders and later uh patch together the rest of the show uh so in the last week we've uh, We've upgraded the uninterruptible power supplies here at, the, at uh, the studio.
2: Good
0: idea. Well, we we discovered on one of them, on a, one of our main servers, we hadn't touched it since 2006. Wow. And I was wondering why I only had a three-minute battery backup.
2: <laughs> you know, we, we get so comfortable with having these things around us. Uh, it's just like anything else. My son, who's big into computers and web design or whatever, He'll even say once a year he'll reinstall Windows on his computers because it's just you get so much stuff you're installing and uninstalling that over time just things become corrupt. We just get so used to our computer we power it up every day. We never think, you know, it needs a clean up too and servers need that and you've got to double check all these things. It's nice when they're just running, but it's like anything else, like changing your furnace filter once a month uh, to keep the air clean. you got to go and blow out the fans on your computers. You've got to, you know, format the hard drives once in a while. They need it, too.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's true. We keep uh, cans of air here for <laughs> there
2: that. There
0: you go. Yes. I had a son-in-law with a uh, a good Dell computer that, that wouldn't run because he had an inch thick of dust oh in on the fan. Oh, my God. Wow, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. we're going to take a, a short break. And, All again, right. if you want to call Rick directly and ask a question, The number is 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523. On the web at RothConsulting.net. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Rich Puzo.
2: You know, Mike, it's interesting in that commercial they just ran there. Um, one of the things that I run into all the time, and it's, it's expected with weather people. You talk about an unpaid consultant. When and I've, I've got Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, you're out there in the social media, and of course, after being in TV 13 years here, everybody knows your name. So they expect. That when you're on Facebook, maybe posting an update on something, that they can start requesting, you know, the forecast from you for their area. What's, you know, I'm traveling. What's it going to be like, Rich? And, you know, part of it is like I spent 25 years in television, so you're naturally just, oh, well, here's what you can expect. And then I'm saying, wait a second. This takes time. You're not one of my clients. So, you know, if there's something big going on, I'll alert the Facebook people, but it is something you got to be careful about. And now I understand a little bit more after doing this for a while, why lawyers and doctors and some of those people who when they're off their hours are not just going to sit down and start giving you free legal advice and free med- because it's not so much that they don't have a passion for it, because I do, I'll talk weather 24-7, but the fact is there are clients who are asking the same thing and paying some good money for that same thing. So why would I give that to you? You know, unless, And for most people in the public, they don't even appreciate the value of it anyway. They just expect it to be free because they get it on TV free and they get it on the Internet free. But what we're doing is different. So it's interesting. Yes, you do not want to be an unpaid consultant. Uh, you know, the, your, your information is worth something.
0: Yeah, the prognosis for an unpaid consultant is death. Yeah. And Sandler figured that out, gee, almost 40 years ago now. I've been teaching our clients how to avoid becoming an unpaid
2: consultant. Absolutely.
0: Rich. Uh, We have a thesis around here that simple solutions to complex problems are almost always wrong. If you have a complex problem, you need a complex solution. So perhaps you could share with the audience a complex problem that you encountered at SkyEye Weather and the equally complex solution from a logical basis that perhaps someone else can change and move into their industry.
2: Well, that's an interesting uh, interesting thought. I, I will say this, because it's Sky-Eye Weather, when it comes to weather in general, there's nothing simple about it. Uh, you know, and this is the one thing, and I guess if I'm going to apply the thesis and the theory, uh, I'll apply it this way. Because I, I'm running a small company, so I'm not dealing with a lot of big company issues, but... I still have complex problems and the problems with me are usually the complexity of the information I'm providing and making it understandable for my clients so they can use it more efficiently, but understanding too because, especially new ones, ones that have dealt with weather consulting before are not dealing with this, newer ones don't understand that it's not just I don't go on the internet and grab a forecast somewhere and provide it to them. There's a lot more involved in creating the information that a client needs to apply to their problems and actually it's getting to know someone it's like you're dating for a while and you get to know what it is the client really needs what they don't need so you're not providing them just a bunch of fluff and as I say that's why for some clients they don't care about the Sun others don't care about the rain they're they're worried more about the temperature you need to know your clients needs. this is where as you've taught in your classes Mike you're finding their pain you let them express to you what it is that hurts them the most and over time, sometimes you even learn that that pain is not quite what they said it was at first. And so then you dig deeper into their pain, and quite often if you're good, that's leading to more business for you. Because now you've found out that you touch the surface of what hurts, but there's something deeper down or maybe a tangent to that, that you can say, all right, let's work on this too. So it's kind of neat to, to actually get to know the clients. But in my case, it's all about Taking the complex, which is weather, there is nothing simple about it. The models, all the variables, trying to predict what's going to happen in one day, seven days, or six months is a very difficult thing. It takes hours of research. My clients don't want to know about hours of research and all I go through. They want the bottom line, which is, how does it impact us? So it does take a complex solution, which is a lot of research on my part and my team's part, to get the information I need, presented in an easy format, whether it's through emails or through a phone call or whatever it might be to, to my clients who then apply it to their business. But if they don't understand it, I'm not going to win any clients over. So I've got to make the complex simple for them, but they've got a complex problem. They're saving a lot of money or trying to. They've got other people that are affected by this, so their complex problem is we want a better bottom line. We want to save money or make money on what your information is. You've got a complex industry that's whether it's never going to be a simple solution, which is providing the information. I have to make it easier to understand. But it, both ends of it are very complex. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be paying me. If it was just a simple thing, they wouldn't need me.
0: Yeah. So a, a couple of years ago, we asked you about the Rotary Picnic. Yes. Uh, which yes. this year is coming up on September twentieth. There you go. Out at Camp Allen, a great uh, car show, great Wonderful. fun. Yes. Great event. So are we going to have good weather on September twentieth?
2: <laughs> You know, last well the last time I did that, at least it was just a couple weeks before the event, and Yikes. I presented at Rotary, which was a lot of fun. Uh, talk about that. You know what? I'll do anything for a free meal, folks. I go downtown Rotary, they invite me in, so I have a free lunch to sit with Mike. We have a great time, but I'm only up there for two minutes. But I did a quick presentation on what they can expect for that, and it was I'll tell you what it was darn close two weeks out because there was a front coming through, and I was worried they were going to get rain. I think it turned out all right, and it was a pretty. No, day. It turned
0: out to be perfect. It
2: was perfect. Yes, yeah, so, I mean it was one of those things that you know. But here I've got all these. Rotary guys, and you know, to me and ladies, those are business people out there. You know what? If I can impress them with this, then maybe I'm going to get a call or two. You know what, Mike? One of my biggest, uh, you know, sales successes is referrals. I mean, if you do something well, other people they talk and they start talking, and suddenly it's like, you know what? This guy needs weather too because. They heard what we're doing with you, and they like it. I just uh, did a presentation down at Paul Brown Stadium to a bunch of sports turf managers. You know, again, a group group that no one really thinks about. Guys who run football fields, baseball fields, golf courses, they're sports turf managers. They need to know what the weather's going to be like. They're putting out certain types of turf. They're having to fertilize it, top dress it, water it, aerate it, whatever it is. But weather is huge for them, and this drought has its impacts as well. So I did a presentation on what I thought was coming up, how it would affect their business. I've already got an invitation to speak to another group now coming this fall because of that. But I also heard you know, the guy from Paul Brown Stadium, who's the maintenance guy there, said, we're going to get together and talk here in the next week or two because they could use it. Their football team, and again, I never thought about this, but the football team, the Cincinnati Bengals, when they're out, whether it's here or on the road, they will base their equipment that they bring out on the weather. So if it's going to be a certain type of temperature or really rainy, that's the type of equipment that they need to be ready for. So they will actually call this guy who's just a groundskeeper, but he'll look at the radar and say, ah, I think it's going to be close. And obviously, if he gets lucky once in a while, that's great. But believe it or not, weather is important to the team to know better how to prepare for the game. It's, it's just amazing where weather comes into play.
0: Hmm. I didn't realize they were different uh, uniforms for a rainy day or a sunny day. I think
2: it's more for the shoes, probably, and maybe some other equipment they bring on the field. Certainly, I know for shoes, it, whether it's a certain type of turf, astroturf, wet, dry, it will actually depend on their cleat size and things like that. They will have different uh, gear depending on the weather. That's
0: interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Uh, what uh, are you doing, Rich, uh, in, in the way of the Internet? Uh, in terms of promoting your business?
2: That's where the social media comes in. That's why, even though I don't want to be a free consultant, that's why I'm on Facebook. That's why I have you know 3,000-plus fans there because weather does affect everyone's lives. And even though our business... Like many businesses, you know, are not directly selling to the public. That's not what we do. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of places that do, and that's great. That's not where we make our money. Sell them to the public because the public is so used to free weather call a number, get online, watch your TV guy. So that's never going to be the money maker. But when you're going for the private businesses, let's face it, some of those 3,000 people, and I've, I've looked at their Facebook pages, and a lot of them run a business, work at a business that's impacted by weather. So by putting that out there, and they're saying, "Wow, yeah, Rich really nailed that." Well, he was the, like the Friday with the big duration. As of late morning, I posted on Facebook, "We may have a big severe weather outbreak." People are like, "What?" Because all the TV guys and then the radio, "Oh, partly mostly sunny, hot, whatever." Yeah, and you, it, even you thought that.
0: It was a clean forecast it was a day. Beautiful
2: day, right? Exactly. So where's Rich coming up with this? And then sure enough, by evening, wow, you were right. You really nailed this. Okay, maybe it means nothing that day, but the next time one of those guys in the business is thinking. Boy, this weather has me concerned, who do we contact? They think sky Eye weather, Rich Puzzo. So I'm constantly on Facebook, and luckily it's easy. Everything I do is on a computer anyway aside from meeting with clients, but when I'm in the office doing the forecast, I'm always on, I've got three computers around me. So what I'm doing is I'm updating Facebook, Twitter, whatever it might be, while doing analysis for my clients, because these things all overlap. I'll look at agricultural stories and see what the markets are doing. They all tie in, earthquakes, volcanoes. I'm constantly watching those because volcanoes will have a big impact on our weather uh, when and if they blow, and we're going to see some probably big ones going in the next year. So these things have an impact, and when I see them, I'll just put little teasers out on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn just enough to get some business people thinking, all right, now we have a place to go because most of them have no idea there is such a thing as a weather consulting
0: service. Mm. What makes you think that we're going to have a volcano event?
2: Well, because first of all, these things are almost cyclical. I mean, you can we don't we can't predict volcanoes with any reliability, but we do know that every few hundred, one thousand, whatever that we certain volcanoes are more active. Certain volcanic areas like Indonesia, uh, the Alaskan Aleutian Islands, uh, down into parts of Japan, uh, even Iceland. We're waiting for a big one to blow there. Katla should be the next one. Southern Iceland. um, There's one in the Canary Islands called El Hierro. The mountain has actually been growing. About three inches or so far this year, and it's, it's still, and that means that the magma is building up underneath it. So, between seismology, looking for small earthquakes around volcanoes, which is a sign that magma is moving, and there may be an eruption, and the history, you know, when's it erupted last, how long did it last, things like that we can say with some certainty that within a certain period of time, there should be significant eruptions. The last big one really was probably Mount Pinatubo back in the early 90s in Indonesia. But, you know, we've had things like Krakatoa in the past. In the future, there'll be another Krakatoa, another Tambora. Uh, These monster volcanic eruptions, we just haven't had it. The volcanoes are there, and when they go, they are... Weather and climate changing events that can last a number of years, uh, it's speculated that during the Little Ice Age, which ran from about 1300 to about 1850 A.D., that there were numerous volcanic eruptions that contributed to the already weak sun, and by the way, we are in a very weak solar cycle right now, the weakest solar cycle in the last one to 200 years. So between the sun being really weak and the potential for volcanic eruptions and a cooling Pacific Ocean, we see a definite trend coming up toward colder that's kind of scary. Okay.
0: Okay. So we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to talk about uh, global weather. There you go. And uh, the coming ice age. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Don't laugh. It is coming.
0: Okay. (laughs) When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one- or two-day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523, 513-646-6523, on the web at RothConsulting.net, finding power in reinforcement. This message is short and to the point. In business, you don't get paid for what you know, you get paid for what you sell. Yet many salespeople leave their skills to chance. They often think, let me think it over. They write proposals that go nowhere. They lower their price to get the order. They wind up chasing prospects through the voicemail maze. It doesn't have to be that way. The best salespeople were not born great. They learned it. I'm Mike Roth of Roth & Associates. We're famous for our expensive, difficult sales training. We're not for everyone. We build the best sales prospectors and sales negotiators on the planet. Are you in sales? Are you ready to get deadly serious about your career that feeds your family? Are you ready to make a change? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523. Sandler's most experienced trainer in Cincinnati. 646-6523. Well, this is Mike Roth. I'm back here with Rich Puzo. Rich, before the break, we were talking about the weather and the climate. Yes. And uh, over the past few years, we've heard... Way too much talk about uh, global warming. Yes. And, and you just made a statement that uh, actually we're going through a cooling cycle. Yes. Could you explain for the folks out there in layman terms uh, what makes you reach that conclusion?
2: Absolutely. Um, there's a number of things you look at when you're looking at climate cycles, and one of the biggest drivers, obviously, the biggest driver of climate on our planet is the sun. Okay, that's. Without it, we don't have a climate, we don't have life, we don't have a planet, we don't have everything. So the sun is your big driver. And even a small percentage change in the sun's output can make big differences on the planet Earth. Remember, the sun is 100,000 times the size of the Earth. So when you've got something that large, it only takes a minuscule change in output to make big differences here. Secondly, though, after the sun is the ocean. The Pacific and Atlantic, but especially the Pacific, the largest ocean on our planet, is a huge driver of climate. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is, as the ocean warms and cools, we see different weather cycles that can last multiple years, and if the timing is right, between oceans and the sun, hundreds of years. You know, a lot of folks forget, or they hear it and just don't think about it, that we have been through numerous ice ages, and when we say ice age, we're talking about glacial coverage of our planet that goes down, well, I mean, the Ohio River was formed by the last ice age, and the fact that we have all these hills around here, and the fact that there's the Great Lakes at all, these were ice, the that, that ice that dug into the ground, and then water as it melted filled into the lakes, they weren't there before, so ice ages are huge. We will have them again. Now, Mike, you and I won't be around when that next one happens, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Years, yeah, because ice is a tough thing to battle. But there will happen again. So we know these things are cyclical, and man wasn't around to warm the planet as we supposedly are now when the last ice age ended. It, these things go through cycles. So right now, the Pacific Ocean has gone into what we call its negative, its colder phase. The overall ocean is actually colder than normal. This is a big body of water, so when most of it is below normal, that's a big deal. The Atlantic Ocean, which has been running warmer than normal and led to that big 2005 hurricane season with Katrina and Rita and Wilma and all the damage from that, well, the Atlantic has slowly been cooling. And in the next few years, it will be below normal. The last time the two oceans were below normal was during the early 1970s to about 1976, some of the most brutal winters we've had across the United States and cooler than normal summers during that period. But... We also have spotted those two things with a weak sun during what we call, as I mentioned before the break, the Little Ice Age. And this was a time of, we're talking hundreds of years from about, like I say, 1300 to just past 1800. You're talking 500 years, which most of it, not all of it, but most of it was colder than normal, it Included a time when you could go onto the Thames River in England in the middle of winter and have a winter festival. They used to do winter carnivals on the middle of the Thames River, all rides, all kinds of people out there. You couldn't do that. Now the river doesn't freeze. But it did. It did until the early 1800s. Charles Dickens, when you think about a Christmas carol, this is a classic example I use with people. Charles Dickens was writing, reflecting his time. Look at a Christmas carol. What do you see throughout the whole movie? Snow. Cold. England is not like that now. Actually, in the last few years, they've gotten a lot more snow and it's gotten colder. That's one of our sure signs. But even if we didn't, because weather is not climate, climate's a long term thing. The fact is, if you look at what Charles Dickens lived through, and these were many years, that you would never find that in England in the last 20, 30, 40 years. The fact is, it's gotten a lot warmer, but not because of industry or anything else. These are cycles we go through. Well, guess what? We're heading the other way because the Pacific is cooling. The sun has gone into a phase we've not seen since the 1700s, which is when we started looking at solar energy, and of course, the little ice age was before that. So sunspot counts are down. Everything, and, and this isn't me. I'm doing part of the research, but this comes from physicists, solar experts worldwide. Uh, We've seen this before, and we're saying, wait a second, this is not good. And in the last 15 years, global temperatures have actually been level, and despite the heat we're talking about in the U.S., global temperatures January through the day we're recording this are still running below normal. For the entire globe averaged using satellites, which are great, below normal. So that U.S. may be hot in places. That's not the case for the rest of the world. It was actually a really rough winter in Europe and Asia. Hundreds of lives lost. We didn't hear a lot about that here. Antarctica just had a temperature down to 112 below zero at Vostok, the weather station down there, a few weeks ago. And Antarctica is seeing some brutal cold right now. So we know that there's trends going on. Again, weather is not climate. Let me quickly explain that. That means what's happening right now does not give you an indication of any broad trend. But when we start seeing events over years and years and years, then we start saying, okay, we got trouble. And that's why there's all indications, and this is what I'm telling my clients. I wouldn't be saying it's not an agenda. They're paying me. I want them to get accurate information. We are going to cool. I told these guys in the sports turf, start thinking about more drought-resistant grass, because in cooler patterns, we have more droughts, and that's we're certainly seeing it across the U.S. right now. But Uh, also they might have shorter growing seasons. We may have frosts that are later in May and come earlier in September. That's going to mean something for farmers. You know, we have agriculture in Canada right now. We did not have agriculture in Canada in the 1600s, 1700s, prior to the warming that we're in now. So, you know, when the last ice ages were here, there's no agriculture there. And yet there was agriculture in Greenland when the Vikings landed there and they were kicked out in the 1800s when the Little Ice Age ended, or I mean, sorry, when the Little Ice Age started. They were kicked out. Prior to the Little Ice Age, There were Vikings living in Greenland growing crops right along the shore. So So
0: you think the name Greenland is actually...
2: Yes, it was green. It was green. It was green. green. They they didn't come up with a name because it was ice-covered. Nay, let's call it something nice. We'll call it Greenland. No, it actually had green. Now, these guys didn't go to the interior. When you get further in, it was always ice. It was near the coastline, and now we're finding their agricultural implements, and and as archaeologists are digging there, they're saying, yes, these guys had actual farms And they grew stuff. Now, the reason the Vikings didn't survive is because unlike the native people there who learned to fish and to eat from the sea, these guys were crop eaters and everything and ate from the land. Once the land could no longer support them, they started dying off. And the rest of them went back to Norway. So, yeah, we've seen these cycles. And and that's why I tell them, don't be scared when I say this. When I say we're going into the next Little Ice Age, it may sound scary. We've been through it before, just never in modern times. So we're going to have to adjust. It's going to make a big difference in our in our economy, in our political structure, uh, agriculture. There's going to be a lot of changes as as the planet cools, and we just have to take them as they come. That's the best way to handle it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, part of me wants to believe that the uh, the name Greenland was invented uh, to attract people to the place.
2: Many years, although I was going to say I think I'm not sure when they named it. We'd have to find out because you know quite honestly, when it was first settled, no one cared about p r You know the Vikings didn't really care to attract anybody, so I don't know when it was well, maybe they
0: are, to look at when they of other, other Vikings to come right <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, probably twenty five years ago, on vacation, we are driving up the west coast and got into Oregon, and we wanted to see some waterfalls so we, we noticed a place on the map called. Klamath Falls, Oregon. <laughs> you're laughing like you've been there.
2: I've been to Portland. I know there's a lot of waterfalls there. Klamath Falls. That's name, you're thinking.
0: Well, so it was going to be a great place. My kids were with me. My wife was with me. We drove three hours out of the way to get to Klamath Falls. Uh-huh. Went to the Chamber of Commerce and said, where are the falls? <laughs> I could just see
2: where
0: there were no <laughs> waterfalls <laughs> in Klamath Falls. It was a name invented in the 1890s wow. to bring people to the town.
2: Wow, that is wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, it
2: was. Well, you know what? Quite honestly, even though you can get a, a boat maybe in there, Portland is not a port. It, Portland is not on the coast. Even though you think about it, Portland's well inland from the coast. When I visited, it's on the Columbia River, which is great, and you may have you know ports there. But if you're thinking about a seaport, Portland is not a seaport. You actually have to go to the coast. So you're right. Names can be a little deceiving. Of course we do have iceland i don't know who was attracting people with the name iceland but we got iceland and that, that actually is ice right. a lot of glaciers in fact there are glaciers on top of volcanoes there which is a scary thing every time a volcano gets active these glaciers melt immediately and cause massive flooding it's wild uh but anyway so yes, they,
0: co- they caused problems with uh, air air travel to europe remember uh, two when two years the last
2: eruption was absolutely the unpronounceable volcano which only icelanders can say it's something like i that's how they say it. It's really strange. Anyway, look it up. It begins with an E. But the thing is, is that when that volcano, and that wasn't a big one, your mic, right, uh, right, Mike? When it erupted, just the ash and smoke in the air just messed up air travel, cost millions of dollars to the airline industry. But not only that, that means people in Europe really couldn't get back here. Same with here going to there. Packages couldn't be delivered on time. You started to, have to use shipping on boats if, because the airplanes couldn't fly between here and there. Just think of the disruption to the economy from one little volcano erupting in Iceland. And that's why I say you get the next big one, and you've got some serious trouble because we as a society with this great technology have become very comfortable with things that are so sensitive to a big solar flare can knock out satellites, knock out communications. Where would we be without our mobile phones, you know, our mobile offices? We're living with this stuff. And so, you know, we think of the power outages going back to the dark ages, but the fact is, you know, it wasn't that long ago people didn't rely on power to supply their life. Now it's computers and everything else, and it doesn't take much. From nature to disrupt that in a big way, and we're going to see some disruption in the uh, in the coming years. We've already seen it: extreme flooding last year, heavy rain in the Ohio Valley. This year, drought. We go extreme cold a few years ago, b- unbelievable snowy winters to a winter that was that, that had a few flakes this past winter here in the Cincinnati area. That was it.
0: Yeah, I don't think I used my snowblower. No, That's good. There was
2: there was no reason to. Yeah, we hardly had any measurable snow. That is maybe once in a in a hundred years you're going to get a winter quite like that. So. We do see these extremes, and more extremes are coming. One of the things I use as a principle for forecasting is extremes beget extremes. A a, a colleague of mine, an older guy who taught me many years ago, uh, told me that, and I've lived with it ever since, and he's right. Every extreme I see as a pattern leads to other extremes. The extreme heat a week ago led to these monster thunderstorms, which led to an extreme outbreak of wind damage and tornadoes and fatalities. So one thing leads to another, So we are
0: You know, just as a a broad brush, where are we going for the rest of the summer?
2: We are going to trend back toward normal. In fact, in the short term, we're finally going to get a cool down, which will take us back to where we should be. There are signs now already, Mike, of some unusually cold air building in northern Canada. Over the next two weeks, that will start to slide south. I don't think we're going to feel it directly. What it's going to do is lead to a much more active jet stream. And we may well go from the drought we've been in, in parts of the Midwest and Ohio Valley, to some significant rainfall in some of these areas. Now, that may not include Cincinnati specifically. I'm still expecting us to end the summer with a little drought, but I do expect temperatures to trend downward so that we're seeing August maybe... As we go into an El Nino, which is what's developing in the Pacific, El Ninos lead to a cooler second half of the summer. I'm expecting that, but I'm also expecting a generally dry pattern, though, with intermittent outbreaks of these violent storms. In fact, this coming weekend, since we're doing this live, this coming weekend, there may be a couple of major severe weather outbreaks across the Midwest and East. As cooler air pushes out of Canada, and I expect over the next few weeks, our big problem may be a lot of wind damage and hail damage uh, over the next month and a half in parts of the Midwest because of this clash of air masses that's going to start going
0: in. So all you say, the the winter weather forecast is?
2: Well, since I just had a, uh, a client uh, you know, a- ask me for that today and they're paying me good money, I'm just going to give you a broad brush because they pay me good money for the breakdown. Just the broad brush. Yes, broad brush. Everything I'm looking in, at... In less
0: than two minutes.
2: From the, he,
0: he's really limiting
2: me now, folks. Watch out with that two minutes. I can't say my name in two minutes. Uh, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in the big picture really everything that we're seeing in the 70s. If you can remember the early to mid-70s, the analogs, what, in, what I mean is past years that look like this one, suggest we're going to go back to that type of pattern. Some really cold winters with a significant amount of snow, whether or not that starts this winter, but overall, the next decade, expect to see a lot more of that, Mike, and I think this winter will be the start of it.
0: Okay, well, that'll help uh, our uh, our friends in Florida.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Rick, I, I
0: really uh, appreciate you coming in and uh, in. Appreciation of that, I'm going to give you a copy of the new David Sandler book oh, by uh, Dave Matson and uh, Bruce Seidman, the CEO and President of Sandler. This is the Sandler Success Principles, the 11 principles. This is the corollary book to the 49 Sandler Rules, nice. which uh, about two years ago went to number one on the bestseller list. This book is going to uh, the number one in on Amazon oh, that. Uh, in the United States, uh, Canada, and the United Kingdom as well as made it to the bestseller list on the uh, Wall Street Journal. So this is a uh, a really significant book. If you don't have the book and you want to get a copy of it, uh, you can call us here at Sandler Training at 753-9400 in the 513 area code, or you can go on our website, rothconsulting.net, and uh, click on the Sandler Store button and buy a copy of the book there.
2: Uh, Real quick, Mike, 10 seconds, I'm going to take If you folks are listening are in sales or you run a business and you are serious about being successful, and I'm talking serious, not just that I'd like to learn some tips. If you really want to make money and there's money to be made even in tough times, I will strongly suggest as someone who has participated in Sandler that you contact Mike and Roth Consulting. You will succeed if you follow the guidelines he gives you. I cannot emphasize that enough. And quite honestly, you love the class. There's free pop. I love the Diet Cokes. But, yeah, great class, great guy. Mike, really love being on the show today.
0: Thanks for being with us, Rich. Scott, take it away.
1: Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.